The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, everybody. It's me, Ryan Wilson, filling in for Will Brinson, who is out this week. But all 32 continues as we talk about every team in the NFL today. It's my guy, John Ledyard, talking about the Bucks. You can follow John at Ledyard NFL Draft on Twitter. He's at Pewter Report. Um, he's not in Florida yet. He's uh, in an undisclosed location in Central PA, <laughs> but uh, doing good, actually. John, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So you, I, I've known you for a few years. Basically, when I started covering the draft, you were one of the first guys I turned to because you, you crush it. And, and I'm glad to see you're, you're still covering Thank the you. NFL and the draft. Um, and we also share uh, – We I just feel like you're a Duke fan, which is a huge problem for me. But we're Steelers <laughs> homers, and, and you're a huge Steelers guy too. So that's also something we have in common. Uh, give me your 15-second take on, on what the 2020 Steelers are going to look like, just uh, just for my own edification. I think it's exciting. I mean, I think they're a little bit older, so the window's really short. But I think getting Ben back with a bunch of good receivers and an offensive line that should back bounce back, plus that defense, is it's got to be trouble. Now the AFC North is tougher than it usually is, but it still looks pretty solid. Yeah, so you go from the Steelers, which uh, is your team and my team, and, you know, we, we – Watch those games with a critical eye. I will say your eye is much more critical than mine. If you want to <laughs> look, if you're a Steelers fan and you're all about uh, things, you know, being perfect, do not read John on Sundays on Twitter. Because you always get on me for this. I feel like if people think I'm probably like the most negative Steelers, and you're not. You're I not. Guess, the most I, I am sometimes, but <laughs> but you are you are critical of the Steelers. I give you that. So with that said, uh, like I think this is a, a things could not have gone better for you in terms of. Hey, we need you to cover the Bucks. Yeah. Uh, ten minutes later, uh, the Bucks just signed Tom <laughs> Brady. Uh, a month later, Rob Gronkowski coming to Tampa Bay. So, so tell me about. So, what are the expectations from you personally? We know that Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He struggled last year, and you can make uh, plenty of reasons why. Starting with that mm-hmm. supporting cast wide receiver. So, what do you expect to happen in Tampa Bay in an offense where Bruce Arians is, is much more of a player's coach compared to Bill Belichick, and that doesn't have to be a bad thing, mm. and throwing to a bunch of superstar wide receivers. Yeah, Bruce is interesting. The, the fit the, between Bruce and Brady is where most people have kind of centered the analysis of, of everything that's happened in the Bucks offseason. You know, if there's any doubters, it's how will that kind of unfold, I think, for most people that are kind of educated about the situation. And that's a valid question because there is some differences. But at the same time, I do think some of it's overblown. You know, one of the things that's said about Brady really is that he doesn't, 
throw the football down the field anymore and, and he can't throw the football down the field anymore. Well, he, he threw it down the field about league average last year, and that was on a team without any deep threat, any vertical threat at all. So he's still throwing the football down the field at a completely normal rate uh, compared to other quarterbacks around the league. Hasn't really even fallen off in that area. You know, it's just in regards to the personnel that they had, maybe they didn't do it quite as much last year, but he's still like league average. Um, even in an offense without much of a vertical threat, like I said. So he's throwing down the field at a fine rate, and he's actually completing passes at a fine rate. He completed passes at over 20 yards or more at a higher rate than Jameis Winston did last year. And so he was around 40-some percent. Brady was uh, in the 41 to 42% range on 20 yards or more throws last season. This isn't adjusted. This is just raw accuracy numbers. And Jameis was like around 37%. So Jameis might do it all the time uh, because that's his style, but Brady is not hesitant. He's never been hesitant quarterback. He's never been gun shy quarterback. That's, I mean, we, it's never been the case with Brady. Even good quarterbacks have sometimes deserved that moniker of being a little gun shy in those moments. Uh, and that's never been said about Brady. So you do not have a quarterback that lacks aggression and Bruce Arians offense really needs an aggressive quarterback. That's, that's the number one thing I think. I don't, I, you know, in terms of mentality, I don't think it's about having this cannon for an arm. It's about, being aggressive and knowing when to take those chances. He certainly had some quarterbacks that didn't mind putting the ball in harm's way over the course of his career. There's no doubt about that. Brady, I think his arm in terms of velocity is just fine. If you watch last season, you know, it's just something that people always start saying about older quarterbacks if they have a down year. They just say their arm's weak because it's something most fans can understand. Like we can understand an arm not looking that strong. We can't break down why a thing may have happened in those moments. And I, so I understand, I get why fans say it, but it's just not true. If you watch his tape, you know, and I went back and watched his arm is, is totally fine. I don't even think, and most quarterback experts and quarterback coaches will tell you arm strength doesn't really get worse with age. That's not really how it works. Everybody points to Peyton Manning, but remember his neck was like all messed up. And that was the reason that his arm eventually got shot and his throwing motion eventually was shot. So I think that Brady is fine physically. What last year was the problem at times was that he started to rush things and play really frustrated, I thought, down the second half of the season. I think he was frustrated with the offense, frustrated with the receivers, not being on the same page. I know he was frustrated with the receivers. I know internally there was some of that frustration. So I think that that was the biggest thing. And I think being able to reset, even if he wasn't in Tampa with all that talent, just being able to reset will be huge for Brady. I think you're going to see him bounce back for sure. Um, and have a really nice season. You know, will it be nice enough in that division with the Saints? We'll see. But uh, I think he's definitely going to be destined for for really good things in Tampa Bay. Yeah, that feels like the consensus. And um, like you know this, like you start doing mock drafts or mock draft season. I was doing one a week from the fall, so I think I ended up doing thirty five. And like the last ten, what you sort of figured out after free agency is that. It's without a doubt, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to get an offensive lineman in the middle of the first round. Yeah. Hopefully, they don't have to trade up and blow a bunch of picks, which they they were able to do. They don't one spot. I think they get up the fourth or fifth round. Or I can't remember which. Mm-hmm. Come back in the second round, maybe uh, address the defense or even get a wide receiver. And then in the third round, uh, maybe a running back or something like that. I was hoping they would get Van Jefferson. He felt like he would be a, a Tom Brady guy to catch yeah. 80 balls. Tyler Johnson isn't a bad consolation prize, the rookie out of Minnesota. I know there were mixed opinions on him coming out. Um, especially when he played alongside Rashad Bateman. What are your expectations for Tyler Johnson, the rookie who plays out of the slot? He's he's a bigger guy, maybe didn't run particularly well. We really don't know because he never ran. But along with Mike Evans, Chris Goblin, and, and all those all those tight ends, does Tyler Johnson as a slot guy have a chance to have success maybe at some point down the line like we saw with Julian Edelman or Wes, Welkel, Wes Welker or whoever else was in the slot for Tom Brady? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And I think you're right about Van Jefferson, by the way. He would have been a good fit as well. And Tyler Johnson is sort of a similar mold, maybe not quite as athletic or fast as Van Jefferson, but maybe a little bit better in contested catch situations. You know, for not being a fast guy, Tyler Johnson won down the field vertically in high degree of difficulty situations better than any receiver in college football. That's crazy. When you look at his numbers, how many contested catches he has, I mean, he's this lanky guy. You don't look at him and think like big, physically imposing contested catch receiver. You know, if you were to high-end comp him, which I don't think he is this player, and I don't know if he'll become this player, but high-end comp stylistically might be someone like Stefan Diggs, not like this unbelievable testing athlete, and you wouldn't ever think of them, like looking at them as a great contested catch receiver, but check Stefan Diggs' contested catch numbers every single year he's in the league. He's one of the best receivers. Uh, I think for PFF, he was their like mo- their highest-rated contested catch receiver two years in a row uh, before this past season. So I, I-, I think – Tyler Johnson has to get on Diggs' level as a route runner, and that's where he's not at right now if he ever wants to reach that ceiling. I think he's a good route runner, but Diggs is a great route runner, and I think that if he wants to get on that level, he's got to be there. Um, and, and the other thing about Tyler Johnson that's interesting is a lot of his production, he played outside and inside uh, at, at Minnesota, and a lot of his production came on the inside, and a lot of his more translatable catches where you saw a lot of separation and he can win this way type of reps were on the inside as a slot receiver. Now, the Bucks had Chris Godwin play a lot in the slot last year, 500-some snaps, but he still had 300-some outside. They move him around a ton. The Bucks love to reduce splits for the receivers and, and use stacked releases and create two-way goes. Bruce Arians is great at creating two-way goes for his receivers. That's one of the reasons why receivers are so good under Arians is he makes it harder for DBs to defend them with the way that he lines up his receivers pre-snap. So, I think he's in a great spot, not just because of the Brady thing. I think everybody caught on to that, and that's certainly true. But Bruce Arians is going to figure out how to maximize Tyler Johnson as well. The, the sticky part for Tyler Johnson is twofold. One is that Scotty Miller really impressed last year when he got to play uh, late in the season. Thought he showed some really good things. Just 13 catches, but he made some big plays. He he was just robbed of a couple touchdowns last year. He could have had multiple. He could have had three touchdowns on like 13, 14 catches, um, if not for a few little things that went wrong. So I think. He has the speed too, four three six guy. He has the speed they want to maybe put on the field that opens things up for guy, other guys underneath. They want guys that can attract some attention vertically, and I think Scotty Miller does that, and Tyler Johnson maybe doesn't as much. So that would be one thing. He has to compete with Scotty Miller, and I think to a degree Justin Watson to get that job. So that's going to be one thing to watch for. The other thing is the Bucks might use 12 personnel a lot this season, two tight end sets, and that's going to mean two wide receivers on the field and a running back, and so you're going to have uh, just two wide receivers out there, and those obviously will be Godwin and Evans if everyone's healthy. So those things might combine to limit his impact a little bit, but I think he is going to pick up snaps as the year goes on, and I think eventually you'll see him make some big plays for this team. So you mentioned two tight end sets. Uh, that brings us to Rob Gronkowski. So he's healthy, took a year off. He he lost some weight while he was um, away from football. He said he doesn't expect to have any trouble getting it back on. He looked pretty good in the, the uniform releases, like he looked like the old Rob Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. Realistically, what kind of Rob Gronkowski can we expect to see? Is this going to be more the 2018 version who, by the end of things, was just a, a glorified blocker, or is he going to be – anything close to the dominant Rob Gronkowski we saw uh, in his prime. Yeah, the funny thing about Gronkowski, and obviously there's there's such an unknown that I, I can't tell you for sure what he'll be. You know, I'd love to be able to say for sure, but after a year off, and you're right, injuries were taking a tool toward the end of 2018. But even as even some of his plays in 2018 were just bomb. I mean, he made this catch against the Jets where he's going down the seam and the guy can't get over top and the safety's trying to close and he hammers him as the ball gets there. And Gronk's like full extension catch at the in the front of the end zone. I mean, 
he still does – he did things even in 2018 that were, you were just like, man, this guy's incredible. Like, you know, And I know the injuries eventually stacked up a little bit and, and derailed things. Plus the offense was slipping, I think, a little bit too. I don't think it was quite as dynamic in terms of a, a vertical attack as it's been in the past, and that's always where he's really thrived the most. So, But I think in answer to your question, the reason why I'd have a lot of hope in Gronkowski is twofold. Uh, one, we really have not seen – Rob Gronkowski on an NFL field during his career where he has not been one of the best players in the league at his position. You could argue maybe the end of 2018, but you're talking about a very small, I mean, compared to the amount of games, I mean, he's been dominant at his position since he entered the league. And really that has not stopped uh, except when he's been hurt. That's really been the only thing when he's not in the game or when he's barely able to play in games because he's hurt. That's, I mean, so right now he's healthy. So if he's on the field, I don't think the guy forgets how to play football. I don't think he's lost his athleticism. You know, he was never a guy reliant on that anyway. I mean, he, he won in so many other ways. And so I think you're still going to see a very productive player. The other reason is people think Bruce Aarons doesn't like to use tight ends. I think that could not be further from the truth. The Bucs were actually eighth in the NFL last year by Warren Sharp's football stats. They were eighth in the NFL in 12 personnel last year in two tight end sets. So they already, without, you know, with Cameron Brayton, OJ Howard, who were, who were certainly, you know, solid tight ends. But even when Howard was hurt at times, Anthony O'Claire was in the game a lot, played heavy snaps. He loves to run 12 personnel. One of the reasons is a ton of shot plays come out of 12 personnel because defenses are in a little bit of a heavier personnel package. They move a safety up maybe to cover tight end. So you've got playing with single high looks. And that's when teams like to take shots. Bruce Aarons loves to take shots. So I think that difference is going to be not only will Gronkowski get looks in those regards, but I think Mike Evans is going to be the recipient of some big shots because of 12 personnel. Mike Evans is, does more of his work in the vertical portion of the passing game, 10 yards and beyond than any other actually stud receiver in the NFL. There's some guys here and there that flash, but Mike Evans, his, the volume of his receptions that come beyond that point uh, is huge compared to basically every other high profile receiver in the league. So it's going to open up options for Mike Evans having that dominant 12 personnel package. So I think there's going to be multiple players that benefit from it, but certainly I expect Gronkowski and Brady to rediscover some level of connection. It might not be their, their peak connection, but it's going to be good enough to certainly threaten defenses. No, I'm with you. I'm looking forward to that too. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Talk more bucks. John Ledyard. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run to the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, John, we talked about the offense there, and we may circle back to, to hit on some of these these younger guys in a second. But I want to talk to you about the defense, um, which honestly not a lot of people were talking about last year. I think that five of their first six or six of the first seven draft picks in 2019 were on the defensive side of the ball, and, and it showed up. Uh, according to Football Outsiders, Tampa Bay finished 2019 season fifth in, in defense. They were 12th uh, against the pass, number one against the run. Um what are your expectations for this group that's young, that, that's pretty um, athletic, 
and, and seems to be all over the place and much better than they were just a few years ago. Yeah, the biggest difference last year was two things. One, the pass rush finally arrived. They hadn't had a pass rush in Tampa Bay in forever. I mean, we were thinking about the days of Simeon Rice and guys like that. I mean, they just did not have a pass rush. All of a sudden, Shaq Bear comes out of nowhere. is a one-year, $4 million deal free agent. Goes off, leads the league in sacks, Ryan. You know how hard it is to lead the league in today's NFL in sacks with how many good edge rushers there are. I'm not saying he's the best or even belongs in tier one with some of those guys. It looked like last year. He had a special season last year. Yeah. That was fun. And so I think that, you know, he's, he's a big part of that. And also the character that of those guys on the D line. I mean, and Donald Kinsu coming in and Jason Pierre Paul coming in, veteran leaders and an otherwise really young group, but also competitors, guys that have went their whole careers playing huge snap numbers. I mean, Pierre Paul missed the first eight games last year, obviously with the, with the, after the car accident, but, um, you know, he's a guy that's played like his last two full seasons, like 89 and 92% snaps for a defensive end. I mean, those are bonkers numbers. And Sue is up there in their 80% snaps and they'll need those guys to play a lot this year. And I think it's risky because they are aging and that, you know, Paul's been banged up and Sue's fallen off a little bit, but you know, having those kind of leaders that set the tone and brought a physicality, the, the Bucks had been a, a soft defense under Mike Smith for years. And those guys brought a physicality, a culture change. That all clicked in about midseason, and the Bucks were a different defense. And the other thing was the young corner group. You know, they got MJ Stewart out of the heat. They benched him. They they cut Vernon Hargraves. I think a week eleven or twelve or something like that. And toward the the home stretch of the season, I mean, it was it was the young guys. It was second year guy Carlton Davis, and it was the rookies Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting. And those guys played pretty well for youngsters. You know, I mean, they're going to give some stuff up, but I think that you know for not having great safety play behind them. Uh, they really did some good things. Jamel Dean had an unbelievable finish to the season uh, after getting shredded in that Seahawks game. He really closed out strong last five or six games. Um, so I think the arrow is pointing up, but they got to get the safety play fixed. Um, there's no doubt about that. Antoine Winfield was a big pick just because we don't know what's going to happen with Justin Evans. You know, if Evans were to be back and Winfield were to be healthy, and, you know, I think that safety room is really good. But without Evans last year, you know, and, and without him really for the last year and a half, they have floundered at that position. Andrew Adams is kind of just a stopgap guy, and Whitehead and Edwards both struggled last year, so you hope that they can make up some ground. But right now, that's the position that's the biggest question mark, that and the young corners. Can they take the next step? But the front seven looks good, and I think the arrow's pointing up for the group. Obviously, a great defensive coordinator. So, uh, you know, if you're going to say, say there's a question mark on the team, it's probably the secondary. But I think the talent is there. It's just about how quickly can they put it all together because the window is, you know, one or two years probably for a Super Bowl. It's pretty easy to get excited about this Buccaneers team based on just our conversations. And you look at the roster and hear all the things that happen. Um, Jameis isn't there. He's now in New Orleans. And, you know, we everyone knows he threw 30 interceptions last year. You would imagine some of those interceptions could have been the difference between losing and winning. And, and the Bucs went 7-9 last year. Vegas has the win total at nine and a half right now. Um, that feels about right, but you, you don't imagine the Tom Brady team just winning nine games. Mm-hmm. What's the, the ceiling and the floor in your mind for how good or, or how bad this team may end up being, given all the things we just talked about? You know, you, you said it at the outset, all right? I'm a Steelers guy that is pretty critical about the Steelers still. Like, I'm a fan, but I really – I think I put aside the bias to cover the team because – and I know what they could have been probably in this last window if they had handled some things a little bit better. And I wasn't afraid to kind of say, like, these are the weaknesses. Like, these are the areas that aren't yeah. good enough. And so, like, I, here's why I don't maybe share the optimism that some fans do coming into the season. And fortunately, the last two years, you know, last year was obviously an aberration, but the year before I was kind of right about those things, but I was honest about them at the outset, knowing that it wasn't 
maybe the most popular thing to say. It's kind of the opposite with the Bucks for me. Like right now, like I look at this team and I came in, Ryan, and I, you know, and I started early February. I knew some about the Bucks, but I wasn't thinking of them as a title contender. Obviously, Brady and Gronkowski help a lot, but when I looked at the roster as a whole, and I was like, okay, there's still some weeks. Then I started watching tape of the team and I've studied like this point, you know, we're almost, you know, we're in late into June here in the summer and I've studied at this point most of their season last year. There's a lot of good players on this team. I mean, Vita Vey is a good player. Devin White is on his way. Second half of last year was really good for him and for the secondary. Levante David is a star. I mean, I'm not talking about a good player that's underrated. I'm talking about a star that has been to one Pro Bowl. That's that's a crime. I mean, that should not – I watched his tape. I watched almost every game from last year. He is unbelievable. He's an unbelievable football player. So I say all that to say this is a team that is clearly, in my mind, on paper, one of the best five or six in the league. Now, this is a weird season, right? Like COVID, how much will it allow them to gel as a team? What will training camp look like? How often will players get sick? How affected will they be? You know, I just – there's all that disclaimer. So let's put all that aside and just say, okay, we don't know, like, about all this. But if the Bucks stay healthy relative to the rest of the league, I, to me, I think the worst that I could see them possibly doing is 10-6. and six. I'm, I'm just being honest. Like, I think they could be 12-4. and four. Um, Their schedule really isn't that hard. I know they play Saints twice. But the Falcons and the Panthers don't look like they're going to be competitors this year. They certainly aren't on the Bucks level talent-wise. Um, I don't think the schedule is, is tough enough for me to really say this is a team that will struggle to make the playoffs. I just, to me, it would have to be a major injury. They're just too good in too many different places um, for me to see that being an outcome that's, that's certainly acceptable. You know, if, that, if they were to be, if they were to miss the playoffs, especially with the seventh team being added this year, I think that would be a disaster. For the Bucks, I don't see that happening. I think this is a focus group. I think Brady is going to be so motivated, um, and having Gronkowski there is going to help so much. And I just think this is a team that is going to be one of the best in the NFL this season. I really think they're headed for. That. I know it's crazy to say about the Bucks, but I really think they're headed for that kind of a, a season. I I believe what you're saying. I, the only issue is I've never seen you optimistic talking about a football team. Listen, what about the Senior Bowl teams, the East West? I've been kind of optimistic about the players yeah, on those teams. Maybe give me that. <laughs> Hey, John, I, I thank you so much for your time, man. You can read John's stuff online at Pewter Report. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ledyard NFL Draft. He is one of the best draft analysts on the intertubes, and I'm not even joking because he's here. He's he's really good, and he, like, if you've heard, he'll tell you exactly what he thinks, and you may not like it, but that's actually sort of a good thing about it. Dude, good luck with uh, with Florida when you get there. Great job, as always. Great talking to you, man, and let's let's talk soon. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. And thanks for the kind words. Always awesome talking football with you. Hope to see you and talk to you again soon. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.